You're listening to The Promised Church's Message of the Week. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. They told me that The Promised Church uh, loves Jesus. Is that true? Nine of you love Jesus. The rest of you are going to be born again by the end of first service. Amen? How many of you are uh, thankful for your pastors? Pastor Aaron, Tasha, the whole team. Did did you guys know that October is Pastors Appreciation Month? And I don't know about you, but, uh, well, listen, I I have the privilege of speaking to pastors and leaders, and and I, I need you to know something. I need you to know that what God is doing at the Promise Church is not normal. Now, it may feel normal to you because you come here every week and you're just a part of what God is doing and the growth that has been taking place and you're just like, yeah, this is just church, right? No, it's not. This is not normal. What God is doing here is supernatural. And your leaders and your pastors are some of the most amazing leaders on the planet. And I don't know about you, I think we need to take about six seconds and thank them one more time for who they are and for depositing into this church and into this region. I need you to know they are the real deal. And they love you and they love this city. And most importantly, they're in love with Jesus. This is a good church. If you're, if you're new here and you're like, man, I'm not really sure, you know, man, they worship a little bit crazy. I'm a little, I'm just kind of like, what is even happening? Why are all these people like, this is a great place to, to bring your family and encounter Jesus. Can I get an amen? Yes. I got to tell you again, this isn't normal guys. Like, uh, did, did you know that since COVID, since COVID one in now a Barna study was done. One in five churches, they say, either already have or over the next two years will close their doors. I didn't say one in 50. I said one in five. They, they did a study and they saw that the, the decline of giving and attendance is so drastic that mo- many churches are hanging on for dear life. And I have the privilege and honor one of the calls on my life is is to really come alongside pastors and breathe life into them. And I'm telling you that what, what God is doing here is not the average, all right? So you should be excited. You should anticipate a move of the Spirit. You should be plugged in. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But if you just come and you just sit soaking sour for an hour and a half and then go home, man, I hope you get a fire lit inside of you today to be a part of this move of God right here at the Promise Church. Are you awake? Well, uh, right now it's 10.09 and see, I live on the East Coast and um, so the Bucks are playing right now. And so I'm going to preach for seven minutes. I'm just kidding. But if you amen me, I'll preach shorter and uh, it'll go better for everybody. And maybe not the Bucks. I don't know. I know you guys are Seahawks fans and they did not have a good night the other night. But we're not going to go there. <laughs> I, I would, um, 
it's such an honor to be here. How many of you know Pastor Chris Donald? Okay, he's actually, uh, he preached at our services this morning, so I get the privilege and honor of preaching in his home church, and he's preaching back home in St. Petersburg, Florida right now. I'd love also to to introduce my wife, Joy. She's such an amazing um, person and a gifted and anointed and and, um, just a leader, and um, so we're just excited to be here. I want to... I want to talk to you today about the, the importance or the role of the church, especially in the day that you and I are living in and with pandemics and with rioting. And my goodness, I went to Portland yesterday and I was like, what country am I in right now? More than ever, more than I'm almost 40 years old, believe it or not, I'm almost 40 years old. And in my short 40 years, I've never, I've never seen a time when the church needs to know who she is more than today. Like you need to know why you're here. You need to know why you've come to gather today. Because because what COVID did to our society, and, and I'll say the church society, is it leveled the playing field. And, and listen, whether your church has 25 or 25,000, that didn't matter anymore. Because now everybody's watching from a screen and everybody wants to know, but what are you really about? And people aren't concerned anymore or impressed by the fact that some churches you can park a 747 in your lobby and you check your kids in and they slide down a slide into the balls and everything's, you know, it's like people don't care about that anymore. They want to know, is the presence of God there? Are they, are they changing their city? What, who are they really? Are they making a difference? Let me ask you something, Promise Church. If, if this church ceased to exist tomorrow, would your community even know it? I think they would. But not every church can say that. So we need to get back to understanding the essentials of, of the church. Because i got to tell you something. The church is God's plan for advancing his kingdom on the earth. And there's no plan B. So you gathered here today, what this represents is vital. Has to be more than a country club. Has to be more than a place you come and shake some hands and get encouraged and inspired and have some good coffee and go home. Has to be more than that. Good coffee never saved anybody. Come on, I grew up in a Christian home as a pastor's kid. Any PKs in the house? A couple of you? Come on, somebody. And I uh, grew up in a loving home, but man, I started straying early. And by, by the time I was a ninth grade guy, I was in heavy drugs. By the time I was 18, I had a drug overdose. Uh, I had a seizure in a public restroom, woke up in a cold sweat, almost lost my life. And that happened to me twice. I had, had I'd been arrested for credit card, uh, felony credit card fraud. And, and, and just the list goes on and on and on. And, and yet I grew up in church going, listen, I, I had a drug problem. My parents drugged me to church every single time the doors were open and I got to tell you something the church never saved anybody because it wasn't until I had an encounter with Jesus so you can know a lot about Jesus you come to this building every single week and not encounter him and have eternal life it wasn't until man I was I realized if I didn't do something I was going to end up dead or in jail heavily addicted to drugs 
been arrested, drug overdoses. I was selling drugs. I was, I was uh, going into Miami. I was living in South Florida and taking drugs, buying them cheap and driving them up to Tallahassee to sell them. I, I, I just gotten into, I knew that my life was headed into a place I didn't want it to go. But I knew God was there. Like I knew, I, believe, I remember on my way to, to commit high level thefts and do a lot of drugs, praying and saying, God, I know this is a crazy prayer. But protect me tonight. I knew a lot about God, but it wasn't until I made a decision, somebody talked me into going into the United States Coast Guard and in boot camp, I was not in a church. A pastor did not pull me aside. Uh, there was no youth leaders. There, were no, there, were, there was nobody. I encountered Jesus marching along, just marching. I was not looking for him, but he was looking for me. And in a moment, I didn't say anything. I began to weep as the presence of the Lord encountered me, and I've never been the same. So I'm here to tell you that you can come to church and, and as vital as church is, and we're going to talk about that because, because it's more than a place to come and gather. There has to be an encounter that happens. And you can come into this. Did you know that you didn't come to church today? You brought the church into this building. Because although there is a local gathering, you really are the church. And so you can have church at anywhere. And there's, there's an important strategy behind this local gathering, but there's also the element that wherever you go, you can encounter God, you can have church, and you can bring church into any space. You don't have to wait another six days before you come and encounter God. We're going to talk about what, what it, like the church. How many of you grew up in uh, a loud church? Where are my Pentecostals at? How many of you grew up in a traditional church where if you were loud, they would kick you out? We got all types of churches, don't we? The church, like, if, we, if I went to Portland, well, we know it, we get some crazy answers if I went to Portland. If we went to Portland this afternoon and asked a thousand people, what is the church to you? We would get a thousand different answers. And some of them I wouldn't be able to take back and share with you probably. Because everybody has a perspective of what the church is or should be dependent upon your experience. How many of you have ever had a bad experience with a church leader? Not in this house, because they're perfect. But before the promise church, has anybody ever had a bad experience in a church? And how many of you, if you're honest, that bad experience in some way has caused you to maybe distance yourself a little bit from really jumping in here? Because you're like, well, man, you know, the last time I trusted some spiritual leaders, this happened. And I just don't know if I can do that. And, and your past is defining your, your present and your future. And you're not, and the devil's keeping you from really coming to life and using the reason he called you here for just because of something, some person in your past that was misrepresenting God. So churches, man. I like, you know, I've been in all kinds of churches. I've been in like Pentecostal churches. I've been in all black church. I remember coming into a church. I was the only white person. I, I mean, and I was like, I'm dancing, right? I'm, I'm like a white boy dance. I'm going to dance, right? I mean, I just, I, when I, we lived in Dallas, Texas. I went to Christ for the Nations. We went to an all Spanish church and, and they spoke Spanish. Through, I don't speak Spanish. 
It was a 2 p.m. service, and I remember I would go and put the headset on. I just knew the presence of the Lord was, I didn't know what they were saying. I mean, it was like translating into my ear, but there's kind of, and some of you may do that, but there's like this weird, like, it's like you're hearing them, and then you're trying, to, it's like weird, but the presence of God was there, and I'm like, I got to come back. Been in all types of churches. I don't know what it's going to look like in heaven, but here's what I do know. There's no denominations in heaven. Like, you're not going to get to heaven and be like, and be like um, okay, were you... Uh, <clears throat> Pentecost, the Pentecostal room is, you can hear them now, can't you? Tambourines and all. There they are, right over there. The service today in heaven is going to be four hours here. Um, you grew up more traditional. You can't hear it, but that room is over here. And it's a 25-minute service. And then they're eating food after. <laughs> it's all types of churches. But what makes a church good? What makes a church bad? Not the Promise Church, because we all know this, this church is phenomenal. But how many of you have ever been to a church and left and thought, eh? <clears throat> not, 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 no, nah, I ain't going back there. Why did you say that? So in other words, what do you measure as it relates to all of these, are, all of these questions, I think more than ever right now, are, are so vital. I said this earlier, but 65% of churches right now are seeing a decrease in giving and participation and serving. 65% of churches are declining in some way. We need to know why the church is here and, and should you be part of it. So this is what I want to do today. I want to go to Genesis chapter 28. Are you alive today? Promise church. Genesis 28, this is the story of Jacob and Esau. And Jacob has, uh, Jacob's name is Jacob the deceiver. And um, he deceived his, his father into stealing his brother Esau's birthright. And um, it's such an interesting story uh, because, because he, so he, he, he figures out a way to trick his dad. If you grew up in church, you've heard this story. And he, he deceives his, his dad and he steals the blessing and, um, and Esau finds out about it and literally um, really decides that he wants to kill his brother. Now, his mom, uh, be, she overhears this plan from Esau. And so she kind of tells Jacob about what's happened. I think Jacob was probably her favorite. And so mom comes to Jacob and is like, yo, you got to bounce because uh, Esau is coming for you, man. Like, he, he wants to kill you. And so Jacob finds himself now fleeing uh, the only thing that he knew, the only thing that was comfortable to him. The, 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 up to this point, it was the place that they associated God with. It was his family. It was where he grew up. It was what was comfortable. And now he has determined in himself, I've got to leave all that I'm comfortable with, all that I know. I've got to flee uh, for my life. So scandal has happened. And he's fleeing the scene. And that's exactly where we pick it up uh, in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. It says this, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. Where he re and when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head. Uh, remember this, this is going to be... Um, important later, and he laid down to sleep. Remember, he is literally now 
fleeing and like he had to pull over uh, at like a truck stop and like he's just trying to rest, okay? He's, he's, this is not his intended destination. He's just pulling over, rock for a pillow, not the best choice, but sometimes you got to do the best with what you got, you know what I'm saying? And so he, it says this, that uh, taking the stones there, he put it under his head to lay down and, and he had a dream in verse 12 in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I'm the Lord God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you're going to spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it, or I didn't even know it. He was afraid and said, He was afraid and said, How awesome, he was awestruck. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. Why why am I using this story to talk about the church? Because this is the first time the word church is ever mentioned in the Bible. And theologians have something called the law of first mention. And all that means is, is if you're going to study something in scripture, the best thing to do to start is to go back to the first time it's ever mentioned in scripture, and it will help to uh, to clarify the full meaning of whatever you're trying to study. So for example, if you want to do a study on prayer, I would encourage you to go back to the first prayer ever prayed in the Bible and you will find Abraham interceding for a city. So the first time prayer is ever mentioned, intercession is taking place. And groanings are taking place. So then when you study prayer throughout the rest of the Bible, it's through that lens. So that's what we want to do with the church today because it says this is none other than the Beth El is the Hebrew word. Beth meaning house and El meaning God, like El Shaddai. So it's saying this is none other than the house of God. Early, this is none other, none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Whew, I could preach that one. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. I could preach all day just on this verse. So the thing that represented scandal in his life, remember, he pulled over, he didn't have a pillow, so he just took a rock. And that very rock that represented his his scandal is now used as a sacrifice and is pouring oil and he's building an altar of praise to God. Placed under his head, he set it up as a pillar, poured oil on it, and he called that place Bethel. Through the, though the city used to be called Luz. This is so, this, this text is so rich. The word Luz, the city's name, Luz, meant crooked. Okay? He changed the name of that whole region to House of God. And there's no other city in the Bible uh, mentioned more than Bethel except Jerusalem. 
And it's never, after this, it's never mentioned as Luz. So hear this, one encounter with God actually changed the landscape of a region and it was never the same again. What once was crooked is now a house of God and a gate of heaven. What if God assigned the promised church right here in the Northwest in a crooked place to create a space for the house of God and a gate of heaven? What if the promised church was called to change the landscape of this region? Look at somebody right now and say, you're a part of something great. Now, look at your second choice and say, no, really, this is something amazing is happening. (laughs) Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and now hear this, right? The response to the encounter. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, household, then the Lord will be my God and this stone which I have set as a pillar will be God's house and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. We have tithing right here before the law was ever given. The response of his encounter was, God, this is yours anyway. You can have it. Before there was even a law for him to do it, it was like, nope, I encountered something. My life's never going to be the same. I have have to give. Would you pray with me just for a second? Holy Spirit, would you come until hard soil? And then cast good seed we see an outpouring of your spirit in the northwest, outpouring of, of your spirit in the southeast, and let these two flames meet in the middle, and let's see revival in this nation. Raise up leaders. Breathe fresh life into the leaders of this nation, even as we speak in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Jacob learned something about church, and I want us to talk about church because though church is a, there is a local gathering and there is purpose behind this, you can also have church anywhere. And Jacob learned this because what he, the only thing he knew about God, he left. And now all of a sudden he encounters God in this new place. I think what I want to give you today is three really essentials of church. Like three essentials that if you're visiting here and you don't live here, you're watching online and you're looking for a church, there are some things that should be there. There are some essentials. And here's number one. The number one essential is this. Church is a connection. Now, you could say it this way. Church is an encounter. There must be some kind of God connection or it's not church. Did you come in here today anticipating to connect and encounter the presence of God? Because Jacob, he, he in the most unlikely place has an encounter and he was like, whoa, the Lord is in this place. I didn't even realize it. How many of you came into this room and at some point during worship were like, whoa, God is here. I didn't even know it when I came in today. Church, there there has to be a connection. He became aware 
of the presence of the Lord in the most unlikely place. I wonder how many of us are aware throughout our week that God is moving. Or how many of us aren't aware and we miss encounter moments on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And by Friday, you're already struggling again and you're like, if I can just crawl my way back to the promised church, all will be well. Not realizing that all week you've been missing encounter moments. He was there, you just didn't know it. We need to learn how to encounter God on Monday morning. See, it's really easy to have faith in here on Sunday when the worship team's up there. And, and, there's, and there's faith and the presence of the Lord is in the room. But this team ain't going with you tomorrow to work. I'm not going to show up at your house at 6 a.m. when you wake up and say, Hey man, I got my Bible. Come on, I'm ready to encourage you today. I'm not going to do that. And so there's a sense in which we have to learn how to encounter God in his presence every single day. And sometimes in the most unlikely places is where God's really wanting to show up the most. So I, I got born again in, in boot camp, man, in, in Cape May, New Jersey, in the most unlikely place. Like literally, I encounter the Lord. I remember, all, I remember just starting to sing a hymn uh, that, that, I, that I grew up singing. I grew up in the Baptist church. And so um, I just remember singing an old hymn and just weeping. Nobody knew what was happening. And I said, God, I don't know what this looks like. I have no clue what's even what's ahead, but I've tried everything else and I want to give everything I have to you. And in that moment, I was born again. I began to lead prayer meetings at night before uh, our, our crew went to bed. And, and uh, I, I remember praying because, you know, you join the military and you don't know where they're going to station you, but they give you a piece of paper that says you've got three blanks and you just tell us where you would like to go. We can't guarantee anything. And so I'm like, okay, I've been like a drug addict. I've been a hot mess of myself. Major, I was in the clubs like every other night. I'm like, I got to go somewhere like in the Bible Belt, like somewhere like really good. And so I'm put in places like East Tennessee and like, and they're like, we don't even have Coast Guard there. I'm like, all right, like North Carolina. I'm like, I don't know. Where's like a, a good like churchy area? And I got stationed in New Orleans, Louisiana. Like Bourbon Street, man. And I remember just feeling like, Lord, what are you doing? Like, this is the opposite of what I was hoping for. And I remember getting, you know, uh, I became part of a church and it's where I met my wife and it was, uh, it was a crazy Pentecostal church. And, 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 you know, sometimes the crazy churches are the best churches. Because up to that point, I thought, if you weren't Baptist, you weren't saved. And so I started going to a Baptist church. But remember, I was radically saved. I remember driving down the street in, in my car. I had a little Mitsubishi Eclipse. How many of you remember CDs? We had the book of CDs. And I had like Tupac and Biggie. And I had all my CDs in there. And I still had my packs of cigarettes and my, my cigars under my seat. And I remember driving in, in right when I got to New Orleans. And I'm like screaming I let my windows down and I'm like screaming the name of Jesus and I'm like my life is yours and I'm like going 55 miles an hour and like throwing my CDs out the window I don't recommend that okay it's just my story and God led me to 
an amazing church. And I remember specifically uh, uh, just being on fire for Jesus. And, and this one guy who was, um, he, he got born again and he, he had a radical testimony. He was about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, just ripped, shaved head, gold teeth, all of his. I mean, he was just from the streets, man. He was a bad dude. And we kind of just hit it off. And I remember we became friends. And he came to me one night and he said, he said Stephen, uh, God spoke to me and said that um, I'm supposed to go into the Ninth Ward Projects, New Orleans ninth ward projects murders happen every single weekend but i'm supposed to go on friday night and saturday night from 11 p.m to 1 a.m and i was like well i'll be praying for you bro (laughs) he said no 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 but see god told me you were supposed to come with me i said you better get behind me satan (laughs) do you see the color of my skin (laughs) it ain't gonna happen but I prayed about it, the Lord said, go. And I kid you not, there, there were moments where just this, this supernatural bubble would go with us and see the projects there, it's like rows of these, uh, just like apartment buildings type things. And in between these apartment buildings, there's these, these open rows and that's where just people would hang out and drink and smoke and party and just crazy stuff would happen. And so we would literally walk up, pray for people, walk down another one. I'll never forget this one night. We'd, we'd made our way around one of the projects and started to make our way into another one. And, and, and we, 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 right when we made the turn, we saw this lady on her porch. She caught eyes with us and she let out the biggest scream. And at that point, I'm like, it's time to go home, bro. <laughs> and so we, we walked up to her. We got to the steps and we said, hey, God sent us here to you. Can we pray for you? And she said, I already know why you're here. And all of a sudden, she begins to tell us that one minute prior to this, she was in her little apartment. Her boyfriend was passed out from drugs, and she had taken his pistol and put it to his head because he was beating her and beating her kids, and she had had enough. And so she got his gun and put that gun on his forehead and was about to pull the trigger. And she said, before I pulled the trigger, I felt God speak to me. And she said, well, then God, if you're real, you're going to have to prove it. And she put the gun down. And walked out her front porch and there we came. And she began to weep. And at midnight, see by this time, because she was screaming, people were like, what's going on? And by this time, we had about 20 people who had gathered around. And right there at midnight in the Ninth Ward Housing Projects, we circled and all held hands. I'm talking about gangbangers. I'm talking about the, the, the pe- people that society would have written off. And in the most unlikely place, midnight, we held hands as those people accepted Jesus as their Savior and literally wept. See, God is already working if you would just be aware. Jacob became aware that God was already moving. He was already working. And he's like, it was already taking place. I just didn't know it. How many times and how many places have you and I been and God's trying and he's trying to speak to you and he's trying to get your attention because he's moving and he's working and we don't even know it because we're too preoccupied. It's interesting because Jacob says, how awesome is this place? Think about this. What place, Jacob? 
You mean the place that you pulled over off to the side of the road and had to get a a rock for your pillow because of the scandal you just went through? This place? Yes, this place. You don't have to be down at this altar to encounter the presence of God. I love the fact that you see in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas. See, I don't know about you. I'm not perfect, man. So like, I'm still in process. If I was Paul and I had been, and I had been put in jail and beaten because I was obedient to God, I wouldn't be there at midnight chained up being like, yo, Silas, what song you want to sing, bro? This feels like a good time to praise. I don't know about you, but I'd probably be complaining like, what is happening right now? Like, God, you're supposed to have my back. But Paul knew that God was at work and he became aware of this moment, even in a prison cell. And he said, oh, it's time to sing. And when he let out this praise, the atmosphere changed, the jailer's born again. And in the most unlikely place, a God encounter happened. That's what church is, folks. That's what church is. There has to be an encounter with God. Here's the second thing, though. Well, let me just ask you before I go to the next. Do you live with the expectation to encounter his presence? Or are you waiting? Well, I didn't like this song. It feels a little off today. Didn't they sing this song two weeks ago? Hmm. Maybe next time. Why is it that in one room, you can have one person on their face encountering his presence and one person standing with their arms folded criticizing the room. We need to change our perspective. Church is an encounter. It's a connection. But church is a conversation. I love this. In verse 13, God speaks to Jacob. And I don't know about you, but man... uh, (laughs) This gives us insight to the heart of God because Jacob, the deceiver, robbed Esau's birthright and was on the run and God shows up to him. And I don't know about you, but at that point, I'm expecting God the Father to come down with his rebuke. And do you know what he does? Look at verse 13. Instead of rebuking him, he begins to prophesy into his destiny. And he begins to say, I'm with you, and the land that you're on, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to bless you. And he begins to speak into Jacob's destiny. And so many of us in this room right now are wallowing in our past and our failures and expecting that God's so mad at you, and he's just fed up with you. And so that makes you pull back, and, 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 and you've created this whole thing, and God's trying to speak into, he's not trying to rebuke you of your past. Come on, he's trying to love you into your future. He's trying to prophesy into the way that you were designed and created. But the fact that you keep focusing on yesterday is keeping you from the best that God has for you today. Church is a conversation. He got a prophetic word from God. At a truck stop in scandal. Church is a conversation. There has to be, there has to be this, 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 this speaking, like knowing that God is speaking to you. And maybe some of you watching online or in this room, maybe if, if all you get is this, it's worth it. God is trying to talk to you right now. 
are you listening? Can I give you three ways that God could speak to you in this room when you gather on Sunday? Three ways, there's many, so don't email leadership and say, well, he didn't talk about this one or that one. I'm going to just give you three ways that God could speak to you if you came or you live your life with this awareness. Here's the first one. Did you know that God can speak to you through worship? Now, you've heard this before, right? This is a presence culture. This culture here is incredible. This is a worship culture. So I'm not going to say anything that's like revelation to you. But you need to know this, and, and maybe not even so much for when you gather, but on Monday morning. God can speak to you through worship, but why? Is it just because, like, well, it just depends. Like, you know, I know some people are like, I can't believe they sing Hillsong, and, and you didn't know this or that, man. And You think God's up there, and the Holy Spirit's like, he's like, hey, I'm about to come encounter this church. All right, I'm going to see you later. And Jesus is like, hold up. They're singing Hillsong today. And I don't see any hymns on the list, so we're going to have to hold back. No, that's not what's happening. Why is it that God can speak to you through worship? Here's what I think. I think, you know, it's impossible for you to worry and be anxious and to worship at the same time. And so what happens in worship is, is, is for, if you, if, let's say in the morning, if you worship for 20 minutes, it's like 20 minutes where God's like, yes, I'm going to have their attention for 20 minutes. And they're not going to be focused on their problems and all the stuff that's going on around them. So we can actually talk to him now. Because for 20 minutes, you're like, ah, oh, everything around me is terrible. All right, I'm going to worship. Oh, God, you're so good. I love you so much. I'm focused on who you are. I'm focused on your goodness. And God's like, yes, I can speak now. So when you come into this room and your arms are folded and you're like, oh, I don't like this song. It's too loud today. I just, I just wish they would turn the lights back up. I just wish this. You're going to miss your encounter. Is that okay, Pastor Aaron? God can speak to you through worship. God can speak to you through someone else. This is a prophetic culture too, so some of this is not brand new to you. Did you know that God can speak to you through another person. I remember I was praying for someone one time and, and, and I, I just had a, a vision of a guitar and the mom was behind this kid. He was about 17 years old and the mom had walked down the altar with him. And as I was praying, I just saw a picture of a guitar. So I just took a step. Did you know that sometimes it's, it's just in your stepping out that God will meet you and then confirm the word? So I stepped out and I began to say, I feel like God's saying to you that, that, that you're supposed to be writing songs and you're supposed to be worshiping. And the mom just broke down like, ah, like, you know, moms will do like, yes. What I didn't realize until that moment is that two years prior to that in a youth worship uh, room, the, the youth pastor uh, really said some things that hurt this kid. And he put his guitar in his room and he said, I'm never going to play worship again. And God spoke something to me to give to him. God wants to speak to you, and he can speak to you through someone else. But let me just say this. Don't chase. We don't, we don't chase prophetic words. We chase Jesus. So don't come in here hoping that Pastor Aaron or somebody's going to give you a prophetic word. Come in here hungry for Jesus. But know that God can speak. And listen, have grace for the prophetic. It's the only gift that we don't have grace for. Uh, most, I, I say we, the church. In other words, it's like if you, if you, how many of you have ever heard a bad sermon before? It's okay. It wasn't Pastor Aaron. Okay. How many of you have ever heard a bad sermon? Be honest. 
But you didn't hear that bad sermon and then think, I'm never going to, that whole sermon stuff, man, I'm done. But with the prophetic, there's people who are like, yeah, but what if I get a wrong one? And then they're just, I don't want anything to do with it. No, God wants to speak to you through other people. And then God can speak to you through the Bible. And I'm going to wrap this up because I'm running out of time. But let me just tell you this. The most common way that I think God speaks is through his word. And I hear people say this, but you talk about how God spoke to you all the time. God doesn't speak to me like that. And I tell them always, when's the last time you read your Bible? No, that's not what I mean. I mean like, like a real word, man. I'm like, yeah, when's the last time you read your Bible? No, 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 like a prophetic word. When's the last time you read your Bible? Because it's full of prophetic words, and guess what? They're 100% accurate. They don't have to be filtered through last night's pizza and anything that I have to, that could be a little bit off. It's perfect word of God right there. I remember one time I got to church, and I was so discouraged, and I was so down. Pastors get that way. You need to be praying for your leadership team. And I just thought, Lord, I don't even know if I can preach today. And I remember just, I, I, I sat down in the front row early one Sunday morning, just discouraged and feeling just weighty. And somebody came up to me and they said, Pastor Stephen, uh, I had a dream last night about you. And, and it, it was really uh, just Psalm 47 or Psalm 24, 7. And he said, can I read it to you? And I said, sure. And I'm going to read this to you. In my low, like, just not great place, the word of God was read over me prophetically. Psalm 24, 7 says this, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, the king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. And in one moment, as someone read the word of God over me, it was like a bucket of water that washed over me and refreshed me and filled me. And right in that moment, I knew that God loved me and I was called and I was assigned for this moment the word of God is a prophetic word for you you need to read it but you need to know God's speaking to you so this is the last one church is a connection it's a conversation but church is also a commitment we see in verse 20 Jacob has this encounter and he's like Lord this is incredible of nothing I, I, I don't know anything else to do but to commit a tenth of everything that I get to you can have it it's mine I give it to you what we see is him committing something to the Lord I don't know about you but at our church we say that serving is our privilege it's like well I have to serve today how many of you serve in some capacity at the promised church raise your hand I want every one of you to stand up can I just say to you and this is not to call anyone else out but this is just to talk to these that are standing thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you you can be seated here's the thing about serving guys it's inconvenience like it, it's it's going to be an inconvenience I got here this morning 
with Pastor Aaron at like seven-ish. There were people already here setting up, worship team, practicing. Because they've, they understood that the gathering is, is more than coming to receive something. It's I get to come and give something. And what you need to know about serving in the kingdom of God, see, we can, we can get deceived and think, but I'm already, I've already had a bad week, so I just need to come and receive. What you need to understand is in the kingdom, when you give, you have someone behind you and his name is Jesus who gives to you. And I don't know about you, but, but when Jesus refreshes me and Jesus serves me, it's a whole lot better than what I would have gotten if I would have just selfishly come in this room and hoped to get some kind of word from God. Serving is a privilege. Serving is, is an honor. And I'm gonna close with this question. Because some of you watching online, some of you in this room have made the decision, nah, it's just not for me. I don't, it's, it's just inconvenience, I'm busy. I wanna ask you this question. Would you consider being inconvenienced so someone else could meet Jesus? Would you consider being inconvenienced so that someone else could encounter Jesus? and possibly a whole family saved, generations to come changed, kids raised into the kingdom of God. Because see, people come through these doors every week, you don't know their story. You don't know what they're going through. There's people who walked in here with a smile today, but it was, it was, a, it was a war for them to even get here. Could you be inconvenienced so that they could meet who you've already met? How many of you have encountered Jesus already? If you, in, 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 in some way, you're born again, right? Come on, raise your, raise your hand. And I think in this moment, you should just raise your other hand and just begin to say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Come on, just raise both hands and begin to say, thank you, Jesus, because you loved me so much to meet me in my mess. You cared so much to forgive me of all of the junk that I was going through. And in this moment, I don't have anything else to say, but thank you, God for saving me and for filling me with your Holy Spirit. You could have saved me and left me and it would have been enough to praise you for the rest of my life, but you went steps further and poured your spirit inside of me and then you adopted me into your family and you gave me a hope and you gave me a future. And so we are gathered here today to say thank you. For some of you in this room and watching online, you couldn't raise your hand. And maybe you did because you didn't want to feel awkward. And so you just raised your hand anyway. And maybe you, like me, have been coming to church a lot. But you know that you know that you know that today you need to give your life to Jesus. Why don't we do this? Why don't we all stand? watching online you don't even know how you stumbled upon this video I do the Holy Spirit led you here if you're in this room and you say pastor I gotta be honest I need I need to commit my life to Jesus 
I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you right now to just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. Anyone in this room at all? Amen. So I need to commit my life to Jesus. What we're going to do right now, because I think there's some watching online, and how amazing is it that God is not limited in any way? There's somebody watching in their car right now about to pray and accept Jesus into their heart. So I'd like all of us together to pray this. So let's just pray this together. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I believe that you died for me and that you're alive. And today, I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin. Fill me with your spirit and I make you the Lord and the Savior of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Why don't we celebrate with those that said yes to Jesus? As we wrap this service up, the worship team's gonna play. If you said yes to Jesus, I want you to come down. But here's where I felt like the altar call was today. It was for. This is a really, I kind of questioned like, Lord, are you sure that this is the word you want me to share to the Promise Church? And it was confirmed three times. And so this is just a, a word to you. To know that you're a part of something bigger than you and it's gonna require commitment and expectation because you're gonna be a part of the greatest move of the spirit this world has ever seen. But some of you have been hurt by church. And so if you've gone through some kind of church hurt, when the worship team starts to sing, I want you to come down because there's healing in the room today. And so the Lord is actually gonna wash all of that junk off of you. And then just like when he came to Jacob and instead of rebuking him, spoke prophetically into his future, that's what's gonna happen to you today. So worship team, why don't you guys start to sing? And if you said yes to Jesus or you've been through some church hurt, I want you to come right here. I just want to pray for you. There's others. You're holding on to the seat and you need to let go in this moment. Let go of what was said to you. Let go of what a pastor did to you. Let go of the hurts and the pains that happened because God has a new assignment for you. Come on, there's two more. Come on, begin to worship. Come on, lift your voice, Promise Church. Jesus, you are of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Come on, sing it again.
come to the altar. What I want you to do right now is lift your hands. I don't feel even led right now to ask the leadership team or myself to lay hands on you because I feel in this moment the Holy Spirit himself is going to lay hands on you and it's going to begin to wash away all the, the junk, all of the things that you've held inside. There's been some unforgiveness that needs to wash away. Come on, there's been some offense that needs to wash away right now. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. If you're out here, church, do you mind stretching your hands out to these and begin to intercede on behalf of them? Because healing is taking place in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now and wash away all the junk, all the offense, all the unforgiveness. And I pray fresh vision, fresh perspective. Lord, begin to prophetically speak into your kids right now. Come on, just receive the touch of the Spirit. He's moving, he's moving, he's moving. Yes. Some of you, you need to say out loud, I forgive you, and you know who you're talking to. Some of you right now say, I forgive that person. I forgive her. I forgive him. I release this situation in the name of Jesus. And then begin to praise.